Welcome back, listeners. This is John McKenzie. The Auditory Chronicles podcast is gearing up for another season of audio short stories from the pulp era, as well as an original tale or two. Our first episode of the season will be posted in just a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, here's a quick tale from 1930 about a man who is faced with confronting his father-in-law to be. How does a man go about making more money? If I've asked myself that question once, I've asked it a hundred times. Just a year ago, I was a poorly paid clerk. Cheap shoes, cheap clothes, walking home to save car fare, pinching pennies to make my salary last from one payday to the next one. I was struggling along on a starvation salary until by accident my eyes were opened and I saw just what was the matter with me. And here's the story of how it happened. One of the big moments of my life had come. I had just popped the fatal question and Louise said yes. Louise wanted to go in and tell her father about it right away, so we did. He sort of grunted when we told him the news and asked Louise to leave us alone and my heart began to sink as I looked at his face. So you and Louise have decided to get married, he said to me when we were alone. Well, Bill, just listen to me. I've watched you often here at the house with Louise, and I think you are a pretty good upstanding young fellow. I know your father and mother, and you've always had a good reputation here too. But just let me ask you one question. How much do you make? Twenty-eight a week, I told him. He didn't say a word, just wrote it down on a piece of paper. Have you any prospects of a better job or a good raise sometime soon? He asked. No, sir, I can't honestly say that I have, I admitted. I'm looking for something better all the time, though. Looking, huh? How do you go about it? Well, that question stopped me. How did I? I was willing to take a better job if I saw the chance, all right. But I certainly had laid no plans to make such a job for myself. When he saw my confusion, he grunted. I thought so, he said. Then he held up some figures he'd been scribbling at. I've just been figuring out your family budget, Bill. For a salary of 28 a week, I figured it several ways, so you can take your pick of the one you like best. Here's budget number one. I figure you can afford a very small, unfurnished apartment, make your payments on enough plain, inexpensive furniture to fix such an apartment up, pay your electricity, gas, and water bills, buy just about one modest outfit of clothes for both of you, once each year, and save $3 a week for sickness, insurance, and emergencies. But you can't eat and you'll have to go without amusement till you can get a good substantial raise in salary. I began to turn red as fire. That budget isn't so good after all, he said, glancing at me. Maybe budget number two will sound better. That's enough, Mr. Sullivan, I said. Have a heart. I can see things pretty clearly now, things I was kidding myself about before. Let me go home and think this over. And home I went, my mind in a whirl. At home, I turned the problem over and over in my mind. I popped the question at Louise on impulse without thinking it out. Everything Mr. Sullivan had said was gospel truth. I couldn't see anything to do, any way to turn, but I had to have more money. I began to thumb the pages of a magazine which lay on the table beside me. Suddenly an advertisement seemed almost to leap out of my eyes, an advertisement telling of big opportunities for trained men to succeed in the great new radio field. With the advertisement was a coupon offering a big free book full of information. I sent the coupon in, and in a few days received a handsome 64-page book printed in two colors, telling me about the opportunities in the radio field and how a man can prepare quickly and easily at home. To take advantage of these opportunities, I read the book carefully, and when I finished, I'd made my decision. What's happened in the 12 months since that day seems almost like a dream to me. For 10 of those 12 months, I've had a radio business of my own. At first, of course, I started it as a little proposition on the side, under the guidance of the institution that gave me my radio training. 
It wasn't long before I was getting so much to do in the radio line that I quit my measly little clerical job and devoted my full time to my radio business. Since that time, I've gone right on up, always under the watchful guidance of my friends at the Institute. They would have given me just as much help, too, if I'd wanted to follow some other line of radio besides building my own retail business, such as broadcasting, manufacturing, experimenting, sea operating, or any one of the score of lines they prepare you for. And to think, until that day I sent for their eye-opening book, I'd been wailing, I never had a chance. Now I'm making real money. Louise and I have been married six months, and there wasn't any kidding about budgets by Mr. Sullivan when we stepped off, either. I'll bet that today I make more money than the old boy himself. Here's a real tip. You may not be as bad off as I was, but think it over. Are you satisfied? Are you making enough money at work that you like? Would you sign a contract to stay where you are now for the next 10 years, making the same money? If not, you'd better be doing something about it instead of drifting. This new radio game is a live wire field of golden rewards. The work of any of the 20 different lines of radio is fascinating, absorbing, well-paid. The Institute is the oldest and largest radio home study school in the world and will train you inexpensively in your own home to know radio from A to Z and to increase your earnings in the radio field. Take another tip. No matter what your plans are, no matter how much or how little you know about radio, look at their free book. It is filled with interesting facts, figures, and photos, and the information it will give you is worth a few minutes of anybody's time. You will place yourself under no obligation. The book is free and is gladly sent to anyone who wants to know about radio. We hope you've enjoyed Found Myself, adapted from an advertisement published in 1930 for the National Radio Institute, as read by John Quinn. Be sure to join us later this month for the premiere episode of Auditory Chronicles Season 2. Until then, feel free to visit our newly remodeled website at auditorychronicles.com for an archive of our previous episodes, as well as links to our Twitter feed and Facebook page. For Auditory Chronicles, I'm John McKenzie. Thanks for listening.